So we started off with worship, uh, looking at Psalm 63, powerful passage. And I explained to you why the elders here believe that God is still giving those gifts. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 8. And now tonight, 3 through 8, and we're going to see Paul explaining to us what more of the gifts are and how we should pursue all the gifts. But Paul starts off, verse 3, which Pharaoh read for us, answering this question. It's a different starting point. The question is, what danger will we face as we start to pursue spiritual gifts? There's a danger that Paul wants to make sure we remove and get out of the way before we dig into pursuing spiritual gifts. Look at what Paul says in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So as we are pursuing spiritual gifts, one danger we can start to face is that we think too highly of ourselves. Paul's concerned that we might think that whatever spiritual gifts God gives dealing with here. So as I was studying this, I thought, so how can we tell if we are falling into that danger or not? What would be some danger signs that would alert us to the fact that that's happening to us? I listed a couple of them. You could probably think of some more, but here's what I came up with. One danger sign is that we could be so impressed with our spiritual gifts we're so gifted that we don't even think we need church life. I mean, we might visit this church and visit this church and be part of this Bible study here and kind of flit around over. It's part of the universal body of Christ, but we don't need to be in a local church where we're being led by a team of elders and where I have brothers and sisters around me that I know and that I love and that no one love me. I don't need that. I'm so gifted. I can just kind of hover above that. You're in danger. You're past in danger. The danger is happening. Okay, that's what's going on. Or another possibility is you're in a church, but you can think because you're so gifted, you don't really need the people that much. I mean, you're faithful, you know, you're supposed to be part of a church, but you think, I'm so gifted, like a brand new believer couldn't do it, help me in any way. Brand new believer? What do they know, you know? Or somebody who doesn't know doctrine as well as I do, ah, they, they, they really can't be much help to me. So I've got the Lord, I've got all my gifts, and of course I'm supposed to be part of a church, Danger. That's a danger sign. Another danger sign would be that I enjoy thinking about, it's kind of mulling over in my mind, how much more gifted I am than other people. I'm more gifted than this person, and I'm probably more gifted than that person too, and that person. Again, I'm, I'm thinking more highly of myself than I ought to think when that's happening. And then one last one I thought of is when I think, and this is kind of, these all kind of overlap, but that my spiritual giftings make me more important than other people. Because I have a gift of maybe leadership or a powerful gift of serving other people or because I have the gift of tongue. So those are danger signs. Are any of us falling into those danger signs? So ask yourself honestly, are those going on in any of our hearts? If they are, the Lord wants you to deal with that tonight and He will help you. He will set you free from that. In fact, what Paul does next is he answers the question, how can we avoid that danger? How can we avoid thinking too highly of ourselves? And in this passage, Paul gives us two answers. 
So I love how Paul does this. Here's the danger. Now here's two ways to avoid the danger. Thank you, Paul. The first way is by seeing that our spiritual giftings have been graciously, mercifully given to us by God. They didn't come from us. They were gracious, merciful gifts. You can see that at the end of verse 3, and he repeats it in verse 6. Let's start by reading all of verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but instead to think with sober judgment. And here's how that looks. He did that phrase measure of faith because Paul repeats it in verse 6 in different words. I read, here's what John Piper said. I've learned a lot from John Piper. Here's when he preached on this. He says, the measure, it's the measure of faith you have. Understand that God has given you whatever measure of faith you have to receive the particular gifts that he's given to you and to use those particular gifts. That came from God. And look at how that same idea is repeated in verse 6. Having gifts, not according to your holiness, not according to your skills, not according to how hard you work. The, the differences of gifts that we have are according to the grace that was given to us, which has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God. Do you see how that works? Very powerful here. Merciful gifts to, uh, given to us by God. When God saved you, at that moment, He gave you faith at the point when you were saved. Let me just kind of elaborate on how that works. So, when you were saved, what happened? I mean, it's all it's different for every one of us, but somebody shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus with you. Maybe somebody invited you to church and you heard somebody preaching, or maybe it was a friend who sat down with you over coffee and just opened up the scriptures and shared the gospel. Or maybe it was a work associate who shared about Jesus, but somebody shared with you the good news of Jesus Christ. You heard that in Jesus, God came to earth. God came to earth in the person of Jesus. In Jesus, God was walking amongst us. Amazing to think about that. And that when you hear Jesus' teaching and trust His teaching, life is given to you. The life you've been longing for starts to fill you. And that in knowing Jesus, coming to know Him, your heart is filled your heart is secured, your heart is freed in knowing Jesus Christ, and all your sins, past sins, present sins, future sins, all your sins are what? Forgiven, completely forgiven. So you, you heard the gospel about Jesus Christ, and God changed your heart, so you turned from your sin and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And at that moment, everything changed for you. You were completely forgiven for all of your sin, past, present, and future. God poured His very presence, the Holy Spirit, into your heart, and you were filled, and you were captured, and you were alive like you've longed to be all your life. And God gave you faith, grace, for particular spiritual gifts. At that moment, God gave that to you, a gracious, merciful gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. A gift to you. 
Paul wants us to understand that our spiritual gifts have been graciously given to us by God. So if you're gifted in maybe mercy, showing mercy to people, or in teaching, or in in exhorting others, why do you have that gift? Because God graciously, mercifully gave it to you. It did not come from you. It was a gracious gift purchased for you through Jesus' death on the cross, given to you by God's mercy, by God's grace. So we should never boast in whatever gifts we have. We should never take credit for any gracious gifts from God. See if this illustration helps. It helped me to think about this. Imagine that, that you were completely out of money and that you owed a bucket load of money to the bank and you had no housing and you had no food and you had no job. But a friend sacrificially and mercifully and graciously sold a bunch of his stuff, liquidated a bunch of his savings, and provided for you housing, food, clothes, some training, and a job. So there you are, financially stable. Now think of how horrible that would be if you started thinking, I'm so stable, these other people, what's wrong with them? (laughs) Come on, people, get with it. Or you start boasting in your stability, or you start taking pride in your financial stability. Can you feel how absolutely wrong that would be? What did that have to do with you? Nothing. Your friend sacrificially, graciously, compassionately took care of you. Same with our gifts. If you are very gifted in an area, what does that have to do with you? by Jesus, and he's handed it to you with nail-pierced hands. He gets all the glory for your gift. Do you feel that? So church, Grace Church, we want to be a church when every, whenever gifts are used and God works, we can be thankful, we can rejoice, but all the glory goes to Jesus Christ. He's the one who sacrificed for us, too highly of ourselves because of our gifts. Do you see how that works? This is so important. So important. So that's one way to avoid thinking too highly of ourselves is by seeing that the gifts we have are graciously, mercifully given to us by God. Second way, second way that Paul helps us avoid thinking too highly of ourselves, it's by seeing that we need each other's, you need them. We can see that in verses 4 and 5. For members do not all have the same function. So Paul's talking about your physical body here. He's talking about you, your body. You know your body. You've got one body, lots of different parts, right? Lots of different functions. So as in one body, we have many members. The members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So Paul is saying that Grace Church... We are just like a human body here. You've got a human body made up of lots of different parts. You've got an ear, you've got a nose, you've got lungs, you've got knees, you've got toes. Okay, so all these different parts, but all those parts are working together. All those parts are very diverse, very different, multi-gifted. It's beautiful. And what gives us unity 
is not that we all have the same gift or the same function. We're not just like one big ear here, okay? That wouldn't be very attractive. One big nose here, okay? That's not what we are. All of us different parts, we are united together, not because we all have the same gift or the same function. What gives us unity is Jesus Christ. The beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ, the reality of Christ, the majesty who also love Jesus Christ. Now, we're called to love everyone in the world, right? We want to reach out to the lost and share the gospel, but there's a special affection that we have when we meet somebody else who loves our Jesus. You know that? Makes no difference. Different skin colors, different socioeconomic issues, different hobbies, different sports team they're rooting for. Makes no difference, man, right? Makes no difference. The love we have for Christ knits our hearts together. We love each other. There's a special affection that believers have for each other, and that is what gives us unity, even with all of our different functions and the varieties of gifts that we have. That's how this works. Now, notice that last line, though, in verse... It says that individually we are members of one another. Now, don't skip over that. Not just that we are all members of one body. That's true. But he's... So it's not just that this person over here is a member of this church body and this person over here is a member of this church body. That's true, and that's important. But Paul's saying is that this person over here is a member of, is connected to that person. And that person is connected to and a member with that person and that person. And there's all these very powerful interconnectedness things. We are members of one another. Wow. The, the closeness and the depth of this relationship that Paul's describing, what happens between believers in the body of Christ, is an astonishing, beautiful thing. The church is amazing. Your hand is also part of your body, and that's why they're in unity. But Paul is saying that your big toe is connected to your hand, and your hand is connected to your big toe. So, for example, if I'm walking barefoot through our kitchen and I kick my... Immediately, my hand goes, ah! Right? Well, why did my hand do that? Because my hand is a member of my toe, and my toe is a member of my hand. Immediately, ah! There's just this instant connection because there's that prof is hurting, you're immediately hurting. And you reach out. When your sister is struggling, you feel her struggle, and you reach out. There's this connection that we have here in the body of Christ. Jesus gives that to us. We did not have that before we got saved. When you get saved, we start to feel that. We start to experience that. We start to grow in that. This amazing closeness that the Lord wants us to have as members of the body of Christ. So when you hear that someone is hurting, you hurt too, and you reach out to care for them. That's how much we need each other. We need each other. Let me just, I was trying to think of an illustration, and, and just while you're worshiping, I was reminded, this is years ago now, but how much I needed somebody else's ministry in my life. I had just started being a pastor at a church, this is 30 plus years ago, and um, this young man, Neil, wanted to meet with me, he wanted to get to have me over to his house, wanted to talk to me. I said, okay, let's go. So I went over to his house, dropped by, 
and I will never forget the conversation that we had. Very humbly and very lovingly, I love you, and I care about you. He did love me. He did care about me. He opened up the scriptures. I don't know, there's probably an emergency that's going to come up to make you late, but is, are any of the times that you're late just because you think you, need, you needed to do something else that was more important than being on time for your appointment? Yes, that's true. And he changed my life. I, I, I was the pastor. <clears throat> I'm the pastor here. I desperately needed this young man's love and counsel and wisdom. You need your brothers and sisters' love and counsel and wisdom. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you don't need that. And when it comes, receive it and learn from it. It's a beautiful thing. The hand and the toe. The toe and the hand and the ear and the eye and the lungs and every single part. We are connected. We're members of one another. We love each other too much to let Pastor Steve keep being late for all of his appointments. So... We need each other's spiritual giftings. And that's a second way that we will avoid thinking too much of ourselves because of our spiritual giftings. Does that make sense? No matter how fruitful your ministry has been, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, you need each other. You need a 12-year-old's counsel, maybe. We need each other. So let's summarize what we've seen so far, verses 3 through 5. Paul is warning us of a danger. The danger is that we can think too highly of ourselves, either that our spiritual gifts make us superior to others or that our spiritual gifts make us not need others. And he gives us two ways to avoid that. By seeing that our spiritual gifts have been mercifully, graciously given to us by God. That's why we have them not because of anything in us, blood-bought gifts from Jesus, and by seeing that we need each other's spiritual giftings. We are connected to each other in ways that we need each other. That's what Paul's talking about. That's verses 3 through 5. How do we pursue these gifts? How do we use them? How do we pursue them? And Paul's answer is really simple. He says, if you have gifts, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And he starts giving some examples. For example, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, what does that mean? Prophecy is where God will bring a thought into your mind with usually some sense of his presence stirring you that he wants you to share this with somebody or with maybe your home group or with the whole church. And when you, first of all, it, it fits scripture Right? Prophecy is under the authority of Scripture. It must be consistent with Scripture. And then when you share that, there's fruit. Somebody walks up to you after the service and says, oh, that spoke to me, or after home group, or whatever it might be. That's what the gift of prophecy is. And Paul says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Here's what I think that means. Let's say that you're in prayer during the week for the people in your home group. And, and while you're praying, this thought comes into your mind with with that God loves them and cares for them because of whatever season they're going through. They need to hear that. They, they know that, but they need to be reminded that God is really saying that, yes, this is absolutely true. And there's this sense of God's presence, like, I should share that. Now, if there's a strong sense of God's presence, it's like, okay, then, then you would share them and say, this came really strongly, 
And I mean, you weigh it, but I want to share it with you. I, I think God's telling you right now, he wants you to know he loves you and he cares about you with what's going on right now. Or if maybe it wasn't very strong, but enough that you felt like you should do it, then you would say, you know, this didn't come real strong, but I want to share it anyway just to make sure. So you weigh it, you pray about it, but I think God's saying he wants you to understand that he loves you and he cares about you during this season. So we, we share the gift in proportion. You're more tentative. We should always be tentative under the scriptures. That's the authority. And we always want other pen that, that affects how we share things. So that's the gift of prophecy. And then going on in verse 7, if service in your serving. So maybe I've had the gift of serving in the past and I've got an opportunity for serving up here. So how do I use my gift in the serving? We, we can't just turn gifts on and off. It's not how they work. Like I've got the gift of serving. So I just serve. It's easy. That's not how gifts work. I think what Paul is talking about here is I've got an opportunity to serve. I've seen God use me in the past in serving. And so I'm going to pray, Father, help me to serve now. Give me strength to serve now. Give me all the grace I need to serve in this situation now, no matter what, what comes up. Lord, use my serving to, to bless people and to bring glory to Christ. Come and work. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for that gifting, and then as I step out to serve, I'm relying on Him to help me serve. And that's what it means to if you have the gift of service, use that gift in your serving. Look at the next one. The one who teaches that gift in teaching others. Now again, teaching is not a girl is any time. No, it's not how it is. You can be a really gifted speaker, a really smart person, but to to teach effectively with the body of Christ, you need the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through your word. Lord, help me to understand your word. Give me wisdom for how to explain things. Open the hearts of those I'm teaching. Magnify Christ. Advance the gospel through this, I pray in Jesus' name. And then you step out trusting the Lord and you start to teach. And He will give you exactly what you need in that teaching situation. If you have the gift of teaching, then use that gift in your teaching. Verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Again, if you have the gift of exhortation, use that gift so, Lord, help me now as I have this opportunity to exhort someone. Give me the words. Give me the right heart. Give me love. And, Lord, use this for the glory of your name. And then you step out and you trust him to work through you. The next one, the one who contributes, powerfully used that in the past. You've had joy in that in the past. People have been blessed by that in the past. Use that gift to give generously, Paul is saying. Again, same thing. I think it means you pray. Fill me with love for others. Give me generosity to touch their hearts. Lord, use this to impact people, to glorify Christ. And then you step out and you give, trust. Next one, the one who leads with zeal, which means that if you have the gift of leadership, use that gift to lead God's people zealously. Give me the words. Give me the passion to see your people stirred up with white, hot love for Jesus Christ and caring for each other and, and advancing the gospel. Lord, do that. So you pray, gift me with leadership. And then you start to lead, relying on Him to give you the grace to lead His people. And you do it with zeal, with passion. You pray, Lord, stir me up. The last one, the one who does acts of mercy 
with cheerfulness. So if you have the gift of mercy, use that gift to show mercy cheerfully. That's what Paul's saying. So again, start by praying. Give me compassion. Fill me even more with love, with your heart. Help me to be gentle. And then you show mercy cheerfully. Sacrificially, cheerfully for the glory of Christ. So we're asking the question, Paul, how should we use them? Use them praying, independence, and if you have a gift like the gift of, say, teaching, that doesn't mean that you don't need to worry about serving people. I'm, I'm a teacher. Other people serve. No, because we're commanded to serve. Jesus commands us to serve. Or if you have the gift of, say, leadership, it doesn't mean you never exhort or encourage anyone because we're commanded to exhort and encourage each other. So we're, we all pursue all of these things, but as you do, you will see God gifting you, working through you in especially powerful ways, and you'll know those are areas where I'm gifted. And praise God when opportunities for those come up. I'll pray, I'll step out, I'll trust, and watch God work. Now, one question many of us might have is, Paul here says, if you have this gift, then use it. It's like, how do I know if I have that gift? How do I know what gift I have? And it's really interesting because it struck me, he'd never been to the church at Rome. And he's assuming that all of his readers know what gifts they have. How can that be? Paul never gives us a list which we can kind of go through and figure out what gifts we have. We serve each other. We join together to advance the gospel. He calls us to be part of that kind of a church community. And the reason Paul puts his focus there is because that's how we will discover what gifts we have in that setting, being part of a community of believers, a family of believers, a church of believers, where we are loving each other, we're serving each other, we're caring for each other, we're laying our lives down for each other, and we're joining together to advance the gospel. Because as we do that, as we reach out to serve, as we exhort, as we need to take some leadership, as we do some teaching, as we show mercy, as we show compassion, as we help financially, as we do all the things that we're commanded to do, we will see God specially blessing and using us and working through us in some particular ways. And as you see that over time, you'll think, that's a particular gift God has given me. That'll strengthen you and build you and it'll build the body. So you'll experience the Holy Spirit gifting you with maybe prophecy. You'll be blessed and like, this is like I'm teaching right now. This is amazing what God's doing. Or mercy, financial care, whatever it might be. That's how we discover what spiritual gifts God wants us to have. We don't figure out all our gifts first. We just do what God's called us to do. And in that setting, you will see God work in some powerful ways. You already have, haven't you? When you've seen the Lord powerfully work through you, you've just simply served someone else. And you were blessed, and they were blessed, and it's like, you're just humming. This is like, hmm, you found your, your lane here. Or maybe somebody asks you a question, and you think of a scripture, you open it up, and you share it with them, and they're like, I've never seen that before. That is so powerful. That's exactly what Paul is saying there. Thank you. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. So as we step out, trusting the Lord to give us whatever we need, we will have experiences where God powerfully works and gifts us, works through us in ways we never and then remember, where did these gifts come from? Him, His gracious gifts, His merciful gifts. 
We don't fall into the trap of thinking that we're better than anybody else. We're thinking too highly of ourselves. All the glory goes to him. He's gifted us because of his mercy, and we love each other and need each other, and that's how we minister here. So, what does this mean for us as a church? This is a powerful passage for me to be thinking about these last few weeks. And what I, what I hope you're seeing is that what Jesus has formed in the church is something, and unity with diversity, and love, and care, and closeness is just breathtaking when you think about it. The church is an awesome creation of God through Christ. It's amazing what, what the church is supposed to be. I mean, we're all connected to each other with a heart connection, and every part is needed. Every single part, Grace Church, every one of you, you are needed by others here. There's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And oh, listen, Abu Dhabi will be, and they are, I trust, and, and may God do this for all the churches that are preaching Christ here, but that the love that we have for each other will be diversity that's here where we love each other. Beautiful. The socioeconomic unity that we have here, amazing. I mean, the love that's here, the sacrifice that's here, the, when, when one weeps, we all weep. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. It's beautiful what God has put together. This is, this is church life. And see, I want you to understand that church life is not just a, this is not it. This is crucial. The corporate gathering is essential for worship in song and for the preaching of the word. These, these are crucial aspects of what we do here Saturdays at 4.30 now. But if all you have is Saturdays at 4.30 and there's nothing else going on, you are not experiencing church life the way Jesus wants it to be. He wants there to be connectedness, where you have brothers and sisters who know you, who love you, and who you know, and who you love. You're caring for each other. You're serving each other. You're living life together. You're advancing the gospel together. It's a body. That's what it is, not just a meeting. Every church has to raise the question, though, how can we, we have to, we've had to raise this question, too, how can we as Grace Church experience this level of closeness that Paul describes, that Jesus describes? How can we experience this? Because the problem is the larger a group gets, the less those interconnectedness connections uh, happen throughout the whole group right? A group of 15 or 20, it's a lot easier. A group of this size, very difficult. So every church has to raise the question, how can we structure our church so that we can experience both the corporate gathering, but then also have this level of closeness? And our answer here at Grace Church is home groups. That's how we, I mean, every church has to figure this out. This is how we're pursuing it. We think this is a wise way. Again, our weekend worship this time here is crucial for worship and song, for preaching of the word, lots of connection with the projections team and with the setup crew and with the welcome team and sound and children's ministry upstairs, all kinds of ways we can serve. But where are those close connections going to be taking place where you have a group of people who, when one suffers, all suffer. When one weeps, all weep. When one rejoices, all rejoice. And that's in the smaller groups of, of home groups. Home groups. So home groups is where we experience 
or we're pressing into experience, we're working on it, we're getting there, home groups. So we have the gathering on the weekend, all of us together, and then we have people meeting together, praying together, sharing together, shopping together, all different kinds of things. Here in our corporate setting, and as we love and serve each other in the home group setting, we will each experience God gifting us with ways that we look back and say, wow, God really helped me to serve. Or, oh Lord, you, you really helped me to, to give an exhortation and to be encouraging to that brother. Or you helped me to explain that scripture well. Or it might have been a word of prophecy given to the home group or whatever it might be. You will look back and say, God is, was working in that setting in an unusual way. That's what we will experience. And that's how we will grow in understanding and in nurturing and in developing our spiritual gifts. So, let me give you two takeaways. One, if you're not part of a home group yet, visit a home group that's near where you live. We have home groups from downtown to Sadiat to Reem Island, all the way over to Al Reef and MBZ and, and places in between. So just, we have 10 home groups. We still need, keep praying for one at Moose Reef, okay? We're, we're, we're getting there, spreading them out. Visit a home group. Visit a couple of home groups that are near where you live. No obligation. You can visit a home group, get to know the people, pray about it, and then do all you can to be part of that home group, to enter into that community. They will welcome you. They will embrace you. They will love you. You will be beneficial to them. They'll be beneficial to you, and Christ will be glorified together as you're advancing the gospel together into the city. So do all you can, if you're not part of a home group, to be part of a home group. And then if you are part of a home group, be strong in love and commitment to that home group. Stir that up again. Home group takes time to have this level of community that is breathtaking and beautiful. That doesn't come easy. It takes time and energy and effort. But see, this is how Jesus says the church is. This is what church is. And so we need to do all we can to pursue church as he's described it to be. We can't say, I don't have time for that. He'd say, you're doing too much. Ask me about what you're doing. He wants us to have that level of relationship. He loves us. And to be part of a, relation, a community like that is just so beautiful and strengthening. And it's hard. There's tears. There's heart. That's what I want to call us to do. And as we do this, we will see God working in powerful ways. We'll see him gifting us in powerful ways. And the gospel will advance and Christ will be glorified. Let's stand together. What an amazing, the body of Christ, where we're members of one another. Each part is essential. We love each other. We care for each other. Great diversity with a powerfully sue what you lay out so clearly in your word. I pray that each one of us would experience this level of community and grow in it as we love each other and serve each other and advance the gospel together. Lord, let us be willing to invest time to pursue this for the glory of your name. Pour this out upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.